We're going to begin this evening, and you know what? Let's let's look back at chapter two just for a moment. I want to focus on chapter three, but the Lord just gave me verse number two. At chapter two, verse one, He says, "Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others." Also, and that is that is discipleship in its very core. We we learn, we teach others, and we commit it to faithful individuals who will take what they have learned and then teach it to someone else. Now you go to chapter three, and we're going to be here in verse number ten. Verse number ten. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Paul writes to Timothy, you've known my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions and afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I want to direct your attention back to verse 14. And that is where the theme of this passage and the focus is going to be this morning. Paul tells Timothy, continue in the things which thou hast learned. There is something to be said about being faithful being faithful in the Lord, learning and growing. We're not all in the same place in our faith. We're not all the same place in our knowledge. But there's something to be said about a believer learning and growing and taking what they know and being an impact in someone else's life. That is how we continue. And Paul is teaching Timothy here the value of just continuing Stay faithful. And he is an incredible example of that as we'll look at it this morning. Father, I pray this today that we get in your word that you stir our hearts. Father, it is important for us to just be found faithful in what you've called us to do. To not be wavering, to not be on fire today and be lost in the weeds tomorrow, never to be seen again. Help us, Father, to continue in what you have called us to do, to be faithful in our place of service, to continue to grow, to not stay the same, but always continuing to grow in our faith, our knowledge, our understanding, growing in your will for our life. Help us, Father, to be a testimony of your goodness, your grace and mercy, and may it inspire others who come along behind us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Of course, this is the last letter that Paul wrote. He was responsible 
for so many of the letters written in the New Testament and so much of the doctrine that we, that we follow here in our, in our New Testament church. But this chapter, when he writes, uh, it, it begins with troubling words to the generations to follow. And he starts in verse number 1 of chapter 3, speaking of the last days and how perilous times shall come. In other words, what Paul is saying is that the closer we get to Jesus' return, the worse it's going to get. Perilous times shall come. He proceeds in verses 2 through 9 to describe the character of the people living in such a time. He says that men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, proud. In other words, they're, they're better than everyone else. We used to use the term stuck up. You know, your nose is up in the air and you're, you're, it's all about you. He, he, he says that in the last days there'll be blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. We, ought to, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. If you can't find a reason to be thankful uh, and, and give thanks unto the Lord and give thanks to others, I mean, you are, uh, you're in a bad place spiritually. He says in verse 3 that they are without natural affection, that they're truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, means they're without self-control. They're fierce despisers of those that are good. We live in a culture today where people do what, all, what they want to do and you can't tell them otherwise. There's a belief that there's no absolute truth and therefore people can do live however they want to live, do whatever they want to do as a result of that. In verse 4, he continues that there'll be traitors, that they're heady. Heady means they're rash, they're reckless in everything that they do. They're high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. I saw a, a preacher post an ad yesterday or I just made a post that of the crowds at the Thanksgiving parades and the crowds at Black Friday and the crowds on, uh, on the sporting events on Saturday and then how the churches have so few people in them on Sunday. We're lovers of pleasures more than we're lovers of God. That is a sign of the times. That is the character of the last days. He says, For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres stood Moses so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. In the midst of such a culture, Paul, Paul instructs Timothy to not get distracted. But he says in verse 14, to continue in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of. As I just mentioned, and I, when I look over our congregation, I, I see different people. 
I see different faces. I, I see different colors of skin. I, I see different backgrounds, different testimonies. And some are just recently saved, and some have been saved for, for dozens of years. I mean, decades you've been saved and known Jesus Christ as your Savior. Our, our abilities, our gifts, our talents are different. Our rate of growth is different. But we can be encouraged today because Paul continued despite the challenges that he faced. Amen? And he then encourages Timothy to continue and to teach others to continue, who will teach others to continue, and so forth until now we're in 2022 and it is our turn to continue in the things that we have been taught and learned and to teach them to the next generation. So today we find ourselves too millennial into the last days and we're sometimes we're discouraged by reports that even in our great nation with all its religious liberty that the impact and the influence of the local church is in decline. And now more than ever we need inspiration to keep going, to stay faithful and to keep following the Lord. And sometimes we have people in our life that are great examples and for Timothy he had Paul as an example in his life. He was a godly man. And thank God for godly men and for godly women who have stayed the course and have been through some things and seen some things, but they continue to this day and they inspire others. And so today I, I just have three things that I want to give us in this passage this morning that will inspire us to continue. And the first is this, that godly people inspire us to continue. Paul was a transparent Christian and a leader that did not present himself as some untouchable holier than thou. Sometimes you, you see godly men and you see godly leaders and they, they just, they, you just can't approach them. They're unapproachable. I'm going to tell you something. Paul was approachable. And he was someone who was very transparent about who he was. He was transparent in what he believed. And in 1 Timothy 1, in verse 15, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He saw himself as the chiefest of all sinners. He didn't see himself as better than Justin Kelso. You remember the Pharisee in the book, the Gospel of Luke? And the Pharisee was praying. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men. I thank you that I'm not an extortioner. Uh, he, he lists off these sins. And he even goes to the point, he says, I thank you that I'm not even as this publican. I'm not even like this guy. I am better than he is. And that publican couldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven and he kept hitting himself on the chest and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm going to tell you something. We consider in the church that Paul was an extraordinary Christian, but he saw himself as an individual that, that had no hope apart from the grace of God and salvation in Jesus Christ. He spoke, he spoke of in Romans chapter 7, he says, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, 
But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I mean, he is writing New Testament doctrine. We use the Romans road to lead people to Jesus today. And he says, O wretched man that I am. You know, he is someone in great need. He wasn't some extraordinary, even though he was an extraordinary individual. He wasn't someone who says, I'm better than everybody else. I need Jesus. And he says, I know that there's this battle going on within me. I want to do the right thing, but there's always evil present with me. And there's something in my heart that is always wanting to do the wrong thing. Well, praise the Lord, Larry Culp. That's just like me. Amen? And if God can do something with Paul, then God can do something with you and I. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 11 in verse 1, and he taught the Corinthian believers, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Jesus Christ. And so as I follow the Lord, you can follow me. But if I get away from the Lord, you better go somewhere else. Amen? Follow the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful who you follow and be wise how you lead. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes this morning. Allow your belief in the gospel. Inspire others to know Jesus Christ. Allow your belief in the gospel. That you're so passionate, you realize your need for Jesus. And your testimony is not lifting you up, but it's lifting up Christ. That your belief in the gospel inspires others. If Jesus can change Ricky Clemens' life the way that he has, I want to know his Jesus. Amen? Then you see in verse number 10, he says, He says, But thou hast fully known my doctrine and my manner of life. In other words, Timothy is aware of who he is. He is transparent in how he lived his life. Live your life for an audience of one. And you'll have no reason to be ashamed in an audience of many. Amen? If you live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ, Matt, if, if you want to please Christ, if you want to please God every day of your life, then you'll never have to walk in a room and put your head down in shame. Because if God is okay with you, who cares what everybody else thinks? Amen? So live your life in a way that brings honor to the Lord. Write this down. Allow your life to inspire others to live for Jesus Christ. Paul says, you know, Timothy, my manner of life. Let it inspire someone else to say, living for Jesus is worth it every day. Then he mentions his purpose. He was transparent about what he lived for. Paul understood his purpose and inspires us to learn and to develop our own. And so we should live each day for more than just earthly gain. How will my today bring glory to God? How will your today bring glory to the Lord? And so we need to allow our purpose to inspire others to experience God. God's will for my life should be the most important thing for me. And God's will for your life should be that important. Because Gary Chandler, I believe this, if God loved me enough to give his son so that I could spend eternity with him, then I would say God has a pretty good interest in my daily life, right? 
And so if God has such an interest in your daily life, Dylan, then what God wants you to do is, should be very important, right? And so your purpose should be higher than just making an A on the exam. Your purpose should be inspiring yourself and everybody else. I want to bring glory to my God in, every, in everything that I do today. Everything that I do today. May it, may it cause people to want to experience God in a great way. Then he mentions his faith in verse 10. He was transparent in his dependency upon God. Plenty of people have told me over the years that God wouldn't use me. I've heard that more times than I can count. Brandon, I'm telling you, people, people love to discourage you. People who know you like to discourage you. And I have found that they do that for a couple of reasons. And one is because, because they don't want to use you because it makes them look bad. Did you hear what I said? If, if, God, if God uses you, well, then it makes me on a plane that, you know, I, I don't really want God to use me, and so I want to stay right where I'm at. And so a lot of times people have a problem with other people succeeding, especially preachers do. They have a hard time with other churches being successful and succeeding and going forward for the Lord. I've had a lot of people, Austin, in my life say, God's not going to use you. God's not going to. I am thankful that you let, you let me pastor a church. You let a guy that God can't use pastor you. Amen? I, I, find, that, I, I find that people want to discourage. I, I, I find that, that sometimes people will, will tell you that God can't use you because of their pharisaical standard. You know, you, you're not... You don't reach their standard or you're not who they are and you look a little bit different and you talk a little bit different and, and there's some things that about you that are, that are a little bit different. And if, if God could never use me because I'm not like them. Well, Paul says this. I mean, Paul was someone who had Christians murdered, right? I never killed anybody. And if God could use Paul, God could use me. Amen? And if God can use me, then God can use you. And so we put our faith in the Lord, not everybody else. We're dependent upon God. It is God who does it. It never was us to begin with. Let's keep, let's keep it where it's supposed to be. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So allow your faith to inspire others to believe with God all things are possible. Amen? If God can use them, then I believe God could use me. Then he was transparent with his mercy. He was long-suffering in verse 10, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and it's a characteristic of our, of our wonderful God, which means that he is long-tempered. And although God is just and righteous, he has a long fuse rather than a short one, and I praise the Lord for that, don't you? Although influential Christians will never stand for or condone sin in one's life, they keep the bigger picture in mind by praying with, praying for, and lovingly guiding others toward a more perfect relationship with Jesus Christ and leaving the judgment up to the Lord. So allow our relationships with others, inspire them to seek God. 
we can shut a door real quick on someone who, someone who's maybe not seeking the Lord today, and we can be holy and righteous and just, and we can be condemning in our tone, and we can hurt them to never see, we can cause them to never seek the Lord. But if we're kind and we're gracious and we're loving and we might not agree, but we understand this, if God's long-suffering and God's going to give them an opportunity, may we be long-suffering. Amen? Continue in those things. That was, that was Paul. He mentions his charity in verse 10. He says to, we, we need to be transparent in our love. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You can be the, the most right and knowledgeable person in this room today, but if you can't love people, it accomplishes nothing. Amen? It only boosts your ego. So allow your unconditional love to inspire others to love. And then he mentions his loyalty, his steadfast loyalty and his patience in verse 10. That we should allow our unwavering faith inspire others to keep going. And then he speaks of his persecutions and afflictions because he's transparent in his struggles. You know, soon after Timothy joined Paul's missionary team in Acts 16, they followed God's calling to establish a church in Philippi in Macedonia. And it wasn't long after that Timothy witnessed the arrest of his fearless leaders and he saw them beaten and cast into prison because they had helped a woman. They had removed an unclean spirit out of a woman who was used for personal gain by the influential men in the city. And they were so upset about it that they had Paul and Silas imprisoned and beaten and what were they found doing at midnight? They were praying and praising the Lord. They were praying and singing praises unto God. Now I'm going to tell you something. If nothing else speaks to you, I realize that people can serve the Lord and sing and smile when everything is wonderful. But when, when you're going through the storm and you're going through struggles and it speaks to you, and you keep continuing to praise the Lord, I'm going to tell you something, that encourages other people to continue. Amen? Just stay faithful. Don't turn your back and walk the other way because God is always good. Allow your dependence upon God inspire others who are facing trials. Then we see in verses 12 through 13, God's faithfulness inspires us to continue. God's faithfulness inspires us to continue. I've read many Christian biographies that have inspired me. And I love to see how God used them, but there's always something there that, that you can't ignore. And that is so many of them had suffered times of hardship. And not everyone believed in what they were doing, or not everyone supported them and, and always saw, you know, they, they saw different things. I, I remember the first time that I was in the hospital and uh, we, were, we were working on our church. We were putting a roof on the church building and it was the first hot day of the summer. 
And uh, I was already suffering from a uh, bacterial infection at the time, Cecil. But the church was working, the men were working, and I was going to be there. So I was up there on that roof, and I did not feel good. And I came down from that roof, and I went home that evening, and we had completed the job, and I started cramping severely. And um, both Christy and my dad thought they were about to lose me. Uh, I, was, I was losing consciousness, and uh, they had to call the ambulance, and the ambulance came, and my blood pressure was uh, through the roof. And so they rushed me to the hospital. It's about 10 o'clock at night, and somebody shows up the hospital to visit me in the ER. And they said, what's going on in your life that God would put you through this? And my thought was, and I'm being transparent here, I'm about to put you through that door if I can get out of this bed. That was my thought. I'm like, are you serious right now? God is faithful, isn't he? And he'll see you through different trials and he'll see you through different things. Not always people see what you're doing or people agree with you. Or sometimes you suffer personal hardship and trials and challenges. But we always need to keep our eyes upon Jesus and not on everyone else. Paul knew what it was to suffer. And you and I will periodically come to moments in our lives where we will question if it is indeed worth it. Our efforts to accomplish great things for God will be met with walls of opposition mentally and spiritually and sometimes physically. We'll be tempted to murmur, to doubt, to say to ourselves, what is the use Thomas Obadiah Chisholm was born in a log cabin in Franklin, Kentucky in 1866. He received his education in a little country schoolhouse, and at age 16 he began teaching there himself. And he was saved at age 27. And with no college or seminary training, he was ordained in the ministry at age 36. And he was only in the ministry for a year when ill health made it impossible for him to continue to do what he loved, and that was to minister to others. But he still had this interest in poetry, and he wrote hundreds of poems. But perhaps his most well-known became a classic Christian hymn that was inspired by Jeremiah, who wrote in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. He says... It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And that hymn still ministers to us today. Written by a man who was discouraged because of his ill health, discouraged because of his troubles, but he could testify as Jeremiah did, God is still faithful, amen? And then lastly, God inspires us to continue in verse 15 and 16. 
God's word inspires us. God went to great lengths to provide his word. He used more than 40 authors from a variety of backgrounds on three different continents and three different languages over a time span of 1,500 years. And yet the entire Bible has been validated time and time again by history and archaeology and silence and, and, and science. Science. It's a holy book because it's God-breathed. And as he inspired holy men of God by his spirit to pen its words, it's preserved, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And therefore, the word of God is vital to us because it is how God speaks to us today. It's written for our learning and in verse 15 of our text, it reveals that it makes us wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And Paul reminded Timothy that this was true in his own life as he was taught the word since he was a child. In Romans 10, verse 17, the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And therefore, parents, never undervalue the importance of reading to your children the scriptures. Get your children to Sunday school and get them to Awana and get them under the preaching of the Word of God and so the developing foundation of their spiritual life can be encouraged to grow. Amen? And then verse 16 tells us that the Bible is profitable. All Scripture is profitable and given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable for reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness because God's word will inspire us to continue to grow. So in the takeaways this morning, surround yourself with people who inspire you to continue in the faith and not discourage it, amen? And be someone who inspires others to continue in the faith to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't be a discourager. Be someone that is continuing on and sees opportunities and looks to serve and looks to help and looks to encourage someone else. And be someone who inspires others to continue because of your belief, your manner of life, your purpose, your faith, your love, your character, even your trials. Ask God to give you a testimony that spiritually impacts others. And don't focus on the size of our problem, but instead let us focus on the faithfulness of our God and cast all of our cares upon Him. And realize that God wants to speak to you and I. And so let's not ignore His word, but seek daily to hear Him. D.L. Moody once said, he said, I prayed for more faith and God led me to Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. And so I read God's word and faith came. Be inspired to continue in the word of God and impact others to do the same. Let's bow our heads this morning as our pianist comes today.